0: Hey there, little Jezebels. It's Helen, and I'm so happy to be talking to you right now. We had to stop recording and production due to some unforeskin circumstances. You heard me right. I said unforeskin. That's one of my favorite jokes. But actually, there were some unforeseen circumstances that came up, and I'm so sorry for the delays. Today's episode, episode one of season two is something that we actually recorded back at the end of August and we did cover some things that were current events at the time. When we started recording for season two we recorded two episodes the one you'll hear today and our next one which is an amazing interview with our friend Kate Wilkinson who's also an alum of Fenwick like me. When we set out to start season two, we were hoping to include a lot of interviews with diverse perspectives on experiences in Catholic school. I'll be honest, a lot of things have changed since then, and I'm not really sure what the rest of season two is going to look like after I publish these two episodes. Ailish is gonna be taking a leave of absence, and we hope that she can come back soon.
1: The devil has invaded Sister English We have to pray now.
0: Everybody help get Satan out of this room. Welcome to Season 2 of Jezebel and Friends.
1: Shame! Shame! Repent or die! We're so excited to be back, and in Season
0: 2 we're opening the doors
1: to new possibilities.
0: I actually didn't sleep well last night because I was mad at the catholic church (laughs) as usual it keeps you up at night it really really does like i just always think about like the atrocities and just what was upsetting me was like our culture is so desensitized to child abuse honestly I believe that Catholic school is child abuse. I really hope. I mean, it is becoming obsolete. Like as people become more educated, they're not sending their kids there. And I think my prediction is that in like 50 years, when we tell our kids, oh, we went to Catholic school or our grandkids, even they're going to be like, wow, like that is really bad. Like that was terrible that people sent kids to schools like that back then. Yeah. So yeah, as usual, I've just been like raging at the Catholic church in all of my free time and like making myself sick over it. (laughs) Well, it is infuriating to think about how
1: there's just a lack of checks and balances within those institutions because they're under their own set of rules. Like, Nobody is really watching them super closely, so when you think about everything being up in the air like that, anything could happen, and then your imagination starts going wild when you think about all the stuff you already know that happens pretty consistently.
0: Exactly. That is like the hamster wheel I get caught on. Wait did something
1: like kick it off? Did you see something or were you just thinking about it?
0: No something did trigger it. It's so I've just been paying really close attention to the northwestern hazing situation where the head coach Pat Fitzgerald was running like really disgusting hazing rituals that involved him making all the football players get naked and do football poses I guess on each other football plays on each other naked so it's sexual abuse sexual assault and there are now several lawsuits against him I mean I'm so glad it's coming to light I'm so glad people are getting justice attorney Ben Crump is on the case, which is amazing. And that being said, a local Catholic high school, Loyola High School, is now allowing him to volunteer with their high school football team. And I have two cousins on that team. That's so fucking weird. It's so scary. I I'm so concerned about the damage that it's going to do to my cousins and to also the other students. It's just kind of like a, a sticky situation because I have a really different ideology as my family who sends their kids to that school and my point of view on it is that right now every single adult in that situation has the chance to be a hero but they'll probably all decide to be cowards 10 years from now they're going to those parents that didn't do anything are going to be answering to very wounded adults who are struggling with god knows what and they might even be answering to law enforcement about why they didn't do anything so i'm just I, like worried sick about this day in and day out <laughs> and i'm very triggered
1: have you talked to your cousins at all wait have they started the season yet
0: yes they've started the season and no I haven't talked to them directly because I've heard about other conversations that are being had between family members and the conversations are so deplorable to me just about the tolerance of child abuse in my own family that I I don't know how to approach it and i don't think my cousins would want me to get to get involved with any type of activism yeah it's like who am i to like insert myself in this situation it's it's not completely off the table for me to get involved because like if not me then who but i'm kind of holding out hope that someone who actually knows about the situation personally does the right thing Yeah. And so I think this is what has set me off on just, like, realizing how desensitized, like, my family is to child abuse, And and that goes for anyone raised in the Catholic school system. You just become completely desensitized to it, but, like, for some reason, I'm not desensitized to it. Like, I'm really fucking sensitive about it, and, like, I wouldn't have it any other way, but it's just kind of, like, a painful and lonely place when it feels like I'm the only one who cares and I know that's not true but like it feels that way
1: well I think it probably also feels like you're the only one who is really understanding the gravity of how dangerous that is where it's like just because someone is hired by a respected institution to do something well doesn't mean they're gonna do it well or have good intentions because it's like you know from your own experience even at Fenwick that a lot of the people that are hired or are kept employed by these places are all friends with each other and they protect their friends and it doesn't matter how many people they hurt in the process because they want to protect their friends even if they're harming legitimately harming other people in the process like an institution doesn't care really who gets caught in the crossfire all they care is about like their own reputation and how it translates into money like big institutions really just care about money sweeping something under the rug can save them a bunch of money and like even think about how Fenwick tried to push their own lawyers and like legal team on you probably framing in a framing it in a way that was like, we're going to make her think that we're taking this seriously, but it's really more so to, like, cover our own asses. That's exactly what these institutions are going to do if he ends up doing the same thing, which he probably will, because he's sick and, like, a freak and a criminal.
0: Absolutely. From what I've heard about the conversations in my family, my family members have had really positive interpersonal interactions with this man, that's called grooming right he's gaining your trust and also he has kids at the school but it's like i don't care like you think his kids are safe john quinn had a child at fenwick when i exposed him obviously that breaks my heart but i did this for his kids as well because i know they're not safe right you're so right about like the institutions just allowing human beings and children to be collateral damage for their power hungry and white supremacist agenda
1: yeah sorry to like get you going on that but I have seen you posting about the Northwestern case and just following it closely I follow that attorney on Instagram so like I see it coming through my feed too but I don't know it's just it's patterns and it's obviously every situation the specifics are a little bit different but on paper it's exactly the same thing as what you and so many other people went through at Fenwick how it was dealt with how it's like even being addressed publicly it really takes someone like individual people coming forward but also attorney ben crumb like
0: blowing the lid off
1: of it and
0: refusing to
1: let it go silent
0: the positive that we like really have to focus on so we don't go insane is like that this is a really important me too movement happening in sports and it's happening with men which is amazing because we seriously need more men to speak out and i totally understand why men don't speak out it's because of homophobia just running rampant in our society but when men do speak out it is so powerful because it challenges everything about this toxic notion of like what it means to be a man and does what it mean to be a man involve illegal hazing that's sexual sexually and physically abusive like in these people are putting a stop to that notion, and they're holding institutions accountable. So I'm really grateful for that, and I'm really grateful for the young men who are speaking up, because I can't even imagine how hard it is to do that as a man. I actually think it's harder for men to do it than women, just because more women are doing it. So that makes it a tiny bit easier, even though it's still hard um and on top of that like football players that's like one of the most hyper masculine subcultures that there is and there's like five individuals who are standing up and saying like this was not okay this impacted me this has to change so they're breaking a cycle and this has actually also made me reflect a lot on like my biases towards men cuz like for example like When I was in college and I would go to parties at athletic houses, I had really bad experiences there. Like, I got drugged at a party that was with the water polo and lacrosse team. I remember that. Yeah, that was really bad. Like, I went to the hospital and was, like, physically injured and had a concussion. It it was terrible. So I've always had, like, a deep-rooted, like, disgust towards men's sports teams because of how I was treated at one of their parties and this situation with athletes coming out and saying how they were treated it just reminds me that like in order for someone to like perpetuate abuse they have to be abused themselves too not that that makes it like okay or that it makes me like forgive the person that drugged me or anything but It makes me realize that, like, it's not so simple to just say, this is, like, a disgusting entitled man who thinks he can do whatever he wants and take whatever he wants whenever he wants it. That's part of it, but it's also, like, this person was abused by the system, too. Mm -hmm. And we're all abused by the system, but some people who are sexually abused go on, To perpetuate sexual abuse, but not everybody who was sexually abused goes on to become an abuser. When it comes to toxic masculinity, there are ideas that make men think that that's what it means to be a man. Right. I'm so, you know, worried for my cousins that are on that team. Um, And I, I mean, I did post on Facebook that like parents better step the fuck up. And like, I saw that my aunt and uncle, you know, probably saw that and it was directed at them. So I hope they hear it. And I hope that other people hear it too. But I don't have faith that they're going to do the right thing. I hope I'm wrong. I just don't believe it. Because very few people do the right thing, right, and then when you're once you're in that situation, it's really not fair because you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Anything you choose is basically going to suck, but there is a right thing to do, and there is a wrong thing to do, and you have to find the strength to do the right thing. There's not any like petition to get him removed there's nothing it
1: is so odd. I agree with your point. I think it's important to think about like what situations this man was put in over the years that made him think that perpetuating that behavior and inflicting it on other people is completely okay and normal because obviously if he thinks that normal, his baseline of normal has been severely skewed. Don't know what that looks like for him, but I think it's very calculating to do things like making them get naked for football practice he's joining the two which like probably almost like gaslights these players into thinking like oh well he's my coach like this is normal this is part of practice we're doing like football moves but like why are we naked like assuming that he has the best intentions and this should there's a point to all of this where it's really like he's just fucking sick
0: yeah and like he also would make people drink like so many gatorade protein shakes until they throw up and like it's just really sick and i absolutely 100 percent believe all of the allegations i don't think that attorney crump would be on the case if there was any chance of that these allegations not being true and also how do you even make stuff like this up no this is gonna take a massive toll on them they're doing it for the greater good and so yeah obviously we 100 percent believe all of the allegations and i really hope that someone presses criminal charges and that he goes away
1: I don't understand how this dude is still working.
0: So technically he's a volunteer, but still. <laughs> oh my god. And do you know what someone in my family said that was just like really idiotic? They were like, How did he pass the Virtus training? Um
1: Are you serious? I feel like those people have definitely never been in a Virtus training. It's a fucking joke.
0: Right. So Virtus was the Catholic Church's lame response to their systemic sexual abuse of millions of children. And it's basically just anyone who wants to volunteer in a Catholic school has to attend this workshop that is like the bare minimum information about like recognizing sexual abuse. And it's it's better to have some education on that than nothing. It's not like what they're teaching. Is inaccurate. Like Alish and I both did it within the last. I think we did it when we were twenty, so that was like seven years ago. They had they made some valid points, like about recognizing signs of abuse. Not they talked about grooming, but it's like it's not like you have to pass a background check to do Veritas. You just show up in a church basement, do a little workshop, and then
1: swear to God you're not a pedophile. You're good to go. Like, that's seriously what it is. It's, like, you make, like, a pinky promise that, like, you're not gonna hurt kids, and it's, like, there's no psych test, there's no background check, like you said, there's absolutely nothing official that's getting one step closer to guaranteeing that you're not gonna hurt someone.
0: I still have my certificate of... I don't even know where mine from is. From Virtus, and it says... It says that, like, Helen Quinn Passon is certified in protecting God's children.
1: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Alright. Oh, God, it's so weird because I feel like there were more... There was more, like, paperwork and, like, verification that we were normal people when we worked for, like, the park district. As camp counselors, as teenagers. Yeah. There are no checks and balances like, within these private institutions because they operate under their own rules. So they can decide that a Virtus training and a certificate stands in place of a background check and a legitimate verification that you're not a weirdo. Whereas, like, for the Park District, it's way more official. And I'm sure some people do slip through the cracks, like, absolutely. They get past the sy- the system which probably isn't even that much of a system but it's a hell of a lot more organized than whatever the catholic church is doing to make sure you're not gonna abuse kids and people who are led to believe that they can trust you
0: and i mean coach fitzgerald is i don't think he's a registered sex offender i hope he becomes one soon um But, like, even if he was, the school wouldn't seek that out on its own. Someone would have to raise hell about it in order to even get him fired. John Quinn's not a registered sex offender. He absolutely should be. How do you get someone registered? They have to be, like, charged criminally. Even
1: that in itself is so
0: scary. But, I mean, I really am holding out hope that, like, I do, like, get to testify against John Quinn in court one day... It would have to be like someone else's case that's like still within the statute of limitations but that's part of why I felt good about filing a police report even though I wasn't sure if anything was going to be able to happen but like the police know that like if something else comes up like they can call me as a witness or something and so mm-hmm. you know who knows like we could still even continue to to get justice.
1: But that shows how corrupt, like, even Fenwick is. Like, they should be the ones, like, filing a report against him. He technically is in violation of what he promised to do. Like, as teachers, I'm sure there's some promise they make to, like, do their job as teachers, but, like, not do anything to damage The institution or the people who show up there every day or who who like go there to be educated or just be students like he's technically in violation of his contract so they if they had like souls and morals they could go after him but they won't because he's a friend
0: right you're so right they really could sue him
1: and they also have the means to they have a whole fucking legal team Like, they're not an individual. They're an institution who, like I said, if they had any morals, they could rely on you and all of the other people who have come forward to, like, add to that. Yeah. And, like back them up it's just it's like why are you protecting him it doesn't make any fucking sense they also have like a huge opportunity to set a precedence for the rest of their faculty and staff That it's like this isn't gonna happen here anymore and if it does this is what's gonna happen to you like yeah it's like maybe take some pride in your fucking institution and don't be disgusting like this is weird
0: you you guys preach shame to everyone else but you don't have <laughs> any shame yourself about doing the most deplorable thing that could be done that's sexually abuse a child like it doesn't it actually doesn't get worse than that and that's what your business is all about And you guys are fucking sick
1: yeah (laughs) you're a fucking freak (laughs) (laughs) freak 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 freak. um
0: um Okay. I have to
1: pee really bad. I'm just going to keep it recording. Can I just run to
0: the bathroom? Yeah, I'm going to do the same. Ah! Holy shit, I shouldn't have eaten all those beans last night. I'm back. Okay, that was so funny when we were chanting freak. I know. (laughs) Okay, well, so actually, since we just took our little bathroom break... And I went to the bathroom that reminds me that I wanted to address that I'm actually recording this episode from the attic of my parents' house due to another very traumatizing situation. I live in like the center of like a trauma tornado. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: love how also the past 30 minutes has just been us getting started talking about what's new in our lives and this kicked off with you being like i couldn't
0: sleep last night because i was thinking about the catholic (laughs) thank god i have this outlet because like i will feel so much better after talking about this with you because i can't really talk about it with anyone else like when i talk about it with my parents i have to kind of walk on eggshells because i can't be so radical Mm -hmm. let it out (laughs) (laughs) a week ago on friday um so eight days ago Eilish was actually in town for a wedding and our nun costumes arrived last week. So we planned a little get together. It was actually kind of like a surprise launch party for season two of Jezebel and Friends with just...
1: (laughs) Nobody knew (laughs) that. Nobody knew that going into it.
0: it. Um, But earlier that day at 9 a.m. I went out to the parking lot of my apartment, which is a very old building in Oak Park, and I just have a crazy neighbor who just, like, accosted me with the most intense white male rage that was just totally uncalled for, and it was so scary. I com- I absolutely thought I was in danger. He was screaming at me as loud as he possibly could, hurling out all of these names and insults, and th- he was throwing out mentions that I'm very loud and he can hear me in his apartment and like it's just not rational because I'm really cautious about that and he's so loud himself so I don't know if he was having a mental health crisis or he's I don't know what's up with him it was giving like January 6th vibes like he was definitely at the Capitol he was like definitely storming the Capitol he was right (laughs) up there with the QAnon shaman (laughs) yeah <laughs> okay wait that actually f- just like made my heart jump a little bit he actually r- reminds me of the QAnon shaman like he even looks like him
1: is that the guy who was in like the animal skins? <laughs> yes hold on i'm looking him up just to remember
0: <laughs> the fact that people like this exist uh my neighbor, he's also, this sounds like crazy old man behavior. He's our age. And so it, it absolutely scared the shit out of me. Like, I have never been raged at, like, to that extent. It was so extreme. Like, I, I I thought about calling the police, like, because I felt so scared that he was gonna attack me. I didn't call the police because I always, you know, think twice about bringing a gun into a situation. I don't always think that's the answer, but he's moving out September 1st, so I'm basically just staying at my parents' place until he's gone, which, you know, is kind of stressful and kind of sucks, but, like, at least I have a place to stay. Um, But it really impacted me, and, like, it happened on a Friday morning, but On Monday morning, I was still shaking and could not get my nervous system to calm down. So I basically fled to the woods of Wisconsin for four days, went by myself. I actually celebrated two years sober while I was there. And then last weekend, when you came home for your cousin's wedding, we were able to put on our nun costumes And then that night, we had all of our friends over, and we put on a mass, and we all said the Our Father, and we were all saying things like the rosary and prayers, and I know my neighbor heard all of it, so that was really satisfying. (laughs) On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. And And forgive us our our
1: trespasses. And as we forgive those who trespass against us. And and lead us not into temptation,
0: but deliver us from evil. Amen. Now please line up to receive the body and the menstrual blood of Jesus Christ yeah
1: no i think that was really fun it was kind of nice to like be silly and be with all of those people who know both of us so well i don't know it just felt like normal for the first time in a while and given what happened to you that morning it was probably good to have something normal
0: (laughs) oh my god that it was so life-saving to like do something fun like something so funny with friends like our childhood friends who we all went to Catholic school together so them seeing us dressed as nuns and chanting shame shame repent or die as they walked in was like so thrilling and so if you're listening to this and you want to see footage go please go to our Instagram it's just Jezebel and friends all spelled out
1: the thing that was so funny about us getting ready for people to come over is that We put our nun costumes on about 45 minutes before everybody came over, and we were just walking around Helen's apartment, setting things up. Helen was, like, putting snacks out, and, like, we were figuring out what to play on the TV and kind of just brainstorming ideas for what to do throughout the night. And in my mind, when I think about that, there's something so funny about us just going about our regular like party planning activities but we're dressed in the most heinous outfits in the world but having all those people come over and be like surprised but knowing that it's not that off-brand for us and I don't know there's something like so special about our friends because they know us and they might not always completely understand it but they're so supportive and they're entertained by it And I don't know, they're just like a special group of people. So that's exactly who we both needed to be
0: around. You're so right. Yeah, (laughs) it was much needed for our souls. (laughs) Oh, God. And then I escaped to the woods to just be completely alone because I was so upset. Yeah, that
1: Um, was much needed.
0: But I'm like, I'm better now, like... I I haven't done anything like that in a long time. I can't really afford... I couldn't really afford the trip, truthfully. I mean, I did it on, like, a really strict budget. But I knew I wasn't going to be able to calm down in my parents' house where there's already four people living here. And I think this time of year, too, like, my brother started freshman year at high school. Obviously, our freshman year of high school was, like, so traumatizing. And, like... (laughs) the park I walk in almost every day like is where a bunch of Fenwick teams practice so I'm seeing like Fenwick coaches and teams and I'm just like so concerned about those kids and like how they're being treated how if the adults can be trusted like I just get really upset about it so just being away from everything was really nice and like I came back in in a really good mood and like I've been getting along with my parents really well, um, which is, like, a sign of, like, the progress I'm making, because it's not like I've necessarily changed their minds about anything, but, like, I'm just becoming so sure about, like, who I am, what I stand for, what my values are, what I'm setting out here to do, and, and they're supportive of that, even if they don't totally get it, so that has been, like, really good, because, like, A year ago, like, I would not be able to be spending, like, quality time with my parents because I was just so upset that they had even sent me to Fenwick in the first place. And I Mm -hmm. couldn't, and I just couldn't get past the betrayal I felt about that. And, you know, they don't see it that the same way that I do. So a year ago, things were really tense and they're a lot better now. And it's just because... I'm living my truth so that's a good a good win.
1: Yeah I met someone for a drink because there's a place like near my apartment on the corner and I've been wanting to like try it so they were like oh let's just and they have like really high quality beer which kind of goes down like water. I just had way too much and was so deathly hungover the next day which is just standard for me like I I don't I've never had like a good hangover I'm always like on the brink of going to the hospital but like my tolerance is so low that I think I have an allergy. So the only time I ever drink is for like a social thing. If I'm like, well, everybody else is like having a drink, so I'll have one, but like I know I say this every time. I I don't see the point. Like I won't be doing it. I have to find an alternative or just be okay with like being in social social situations for less amount of time cuz like I'm not going to like drink just to keep up with people at the expense of the following day. Like, I couldn't function at all the next day.
0: My whole cycle with alcohol was just awful. Like, I would starve myself all day, then binge eat and binge drink at night. And, like, sometimes I was bulimic, sometimes I wasn't. When my eating disorder was the worst, I actually dated two separate guys who also had eating disorders, who also made my eating disorder so much worse because on top of them being obsessed about what they were eating, like, I mean, one just didn't eat, one only ate meat, like, literally only ate meat. Um, Like, when he'd come to meals with my family, he'd bring his own meat and just have, like, a heaping plate of, like, Beef, and we'd all be eating normal foods, and he'd be like judging us for it. Oh my god. It's just crazy that like subconsciously somehow you attract people that are like you and that have the same problems as you and I've just been reflecting on that a lot because like I feel like my life has been very toxic and very unhealthy and (laughs) it has always just been a terrible idea at any point in my life that I've been at to like start dating someone because it always just, like, pours gasoline on my own problems already, and I just keep on making the same mistakes, but, like, my most recent relationship that ended was definitely the healthiest relationship I've ever had. It wasn't, like, 100% healthy, because I wasn't 100% healthy, and, you know, I I don't want to speak for him, but it's just interesting how that happens. Yeah. Because, like, the guys who I dated that had eating disorders, they wanted to know everything I was eating every single day. They would always ask me, like, what have you eaten today? They were obsessive about food. Yeah, and so like, why are we talking about this? <laughs> and, like, for the boyfriend that only ate meat, like, I would lie to him about stuff that I ate because I just was so sick of him lecturing me about why... We should only be eating meat. And, like, even eating salad, he wasn't, like, happy with that. (laughs) (laughs) He could be
1: multiple episodes. Like, I'm being so serious, which obviously I don't want to, like, poke fun at it because I know, like, that had its own issues. But, like, I'm so happy that, like, you are you feel comfortable talking about it because there were even times where i would talk to him about some things and he would say it with such conviction that i would like believe it i'd be very close to believing it or like trying to see the merit in what he was talking about but then when we have these lucid conversations i'm like you know he was just straight up insane
0: <laughs> okay this is really fucked up but since we're on the topic of eating disorders I feel like I just need to get this off my chest. <laughs> yes. This is really fucked up. So, one time when I was hanging out with him, we so we would never eat together because his eating was so strict that like he would have to prepare his meals on his own time. <laughs> like so we would hang out and we were we were absolutely both abusing substances and that was like that was our main form of intimacy was just like getting high, getting drunk together. And there was one time where I can't really remember like why, but I, well, because I have a problem. That's why we were hanging out and I felt like, I felt like I really needed to make myself throw up and, like, that it couldn't wait. And, like, I was feeling so defensive about it that I was going to convince him that it was, like, completely normal and acceptable for me to do that under any circumstances. And, like, I was not going to hear any concerns about it. Um, So I basically, like, just gaslit him into not even, like, questioning me about it. He should have been, like, really concerned to see that
1: well that makes me do you think he would make himself throw up ever
0: yes yeah
1: so he probably was just like i know this
0: oh my god it felt normal to him there's something really scary about how a couple who gets into that type of stuff like how much it can snowball Mm -hmm. because like I was, like, struggling, you know, a lot with, like, PTSD and stuff while we were dating, and I would tell him, like, you know, like, I cannot calm down right now. Like, I'm, and I'm like, crying in my car. Like, I'm freaking out. I can't calm down. He would just give me the permission I needed to smoke more and more and more and more weed, drink more and more and more alcohol. I was, like, looking for someone to give me permission to do those things, and I absolutely got it from him um well
1: remember when we went to the shed and we were gonna do shrooms like that was the first time you and I had both done anything like that so like we both had those bars and I was like how much should we take like we've never done this before like should we like take half should we only take a piece and he's like take the whole thing it's like Bitch, you're saying that because that's how much you would take. You'd probably take more because he like was delusional, and I don't think we overdid it by any means. Like I felt completely fine, but I'm like, this is who we were looking to, <laughs>
0: <laughs> right? Like I was completely just seeking confirmation bias with everything, and I could easily get it from him um, because. I mean, I absolutely believe he's struggling with substance abuse, many other things, and we're not in contact at all anymore, um, and we probably never will be again, but <laughs> yeah, that was pretty dark. Um, and then the other person who I feel like had an eating disorder, who also wanted to know everything I ate every day, was the guy who, like, catfished me like, five years ago, who, like, lies about his age and follows a bunch of teenage girls on Instagram, and he slid into my DMs, like, three days ago.
1: I cannot fucking believe that. Obviously, it seems pretty... I'm not shocked by it. Like, he seems like someone who would come back, but for whatever reason, I I don't understand why he would want to resurface because it's not like you left that avenue of communication open because it ended on such a strange like disconnected note but even seeing him on the dating apps I think I I told you that right I saw him he came through my stack and even like a year prior to that He was trying to, like, follow me on TikTok, which I'm, like, I'm not even going to acknowledge this, but it's, like, what do you want? Like, what was he actually getting out of that whole, like, I don't understand what his intentions were. Obviously, he has issues if he's, like, interested in teenage girls or, like, being friends with teenage girls as a however, how old he is.
0: Yeah, he's well into his 40s. His dating app currently says 38, which you saw a couple weeks ago. He His dating app also said 38 when I matched with him five years ago, so who knows how old he is. He is way too old to be following. I don't care if they're 18. He seems to follow a lot of 18 and 19-year-olds. It's fucking creepy. And so I just told my parents this morning that he, like, messaged me because my parents are, like, so traumatized from that situation because I just, like, fell madly in love with him, thought he was my soulmate, was telling everybody that we were, like, in love. (laughs) Flew to New York to meet up with him twice. He never would meet up with me. I'd be out waiting for him until, like, 3 a.m., and he would say he was on his way and never show up. We did end up meeting face-to-face, like, two times, like, one time per trip, um, whereas we had been in, like, a, quote, relationship online for, like, a year. And I, th- I don't know if he just wanted like an online pen pal. I don't know if I was getting too hard to manipulate because I didn't want to have FaceTime sex with him. He convinced me, he coerced me into doing it once, which I hated it. It was so toxic for me to see my body on the camera that way because it was at the time of like eating disorders and, and all that stuff. So it was really bad. Like definitely traumatizing for my self-image and the way he coerced me to do it it was so manipulative like he would ask and ask and ask and I would just keep saying no I'm not comfortable and he would be like you know I'm not asking you to, to be like creepy but like I I just really like you and I want our relationship to become more intimate and like no guy had ever said like that he wanted to like actually build intimacy with me before so I thought it was like a really big deal and you're just so naive when you're 23 up until the age you're 25 you need to be dating people that are your same age like I agree I I felt like I'm so much more mature than guys my age at 23 and I think that was true I think I was more mature than guys my age But the problem is the guys who are 10 to 15 years older than you and who want someone under 25, they're just looking for someone who has no boundaries and can be pushed around and easily manipulated. And that's absolutely what happened. And like, I have no problem saying this because like, I'm now I'm like a certified sexuality educator. I'm so passionate about consent. I've studied the law and like... That was coercion and, like, if you talk someone into doing a sexual act, including a sexual act online, that's... there's not consent in it. Even if they give in eventually, there's not consent. So, like, he did break the law by doing that. Am I gonna press charges against him? Like, honestly, I have bigger things to worry about, but I could because I I believe that there was proof in our WhatsApp messages of him pressuring me to do it and then me eventually giving in. So I feel very strong in in my convictions about this, and there's no way I would ever answer someone's message like that unless it was to give him a piece of my mind.
1: Did you decide that, like, you weren't even gonna entertain responding
0: yeah I think I'm just not even gonna go there because I I just can't right now I just think it's I agree I think it's not worth it
1: I honestly don't think he's smart enough one to understand what you're even saying where you're coming from and like the gravity of it all and I don't think and because of that I don't think you would get that much out of it because it's really like at the end of the day not your job to educate him on something that should be very obvious. I don't know how he as a 40 year old man doesn't find it weird or concerning that he can only connect with people a fraction of his age. And it's not connecting, he's literally like manipulating and using them, so. So,
0: so weird. Oh my god. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our first episode of season two. Like I said at the beginning, you have no idea how happy I am to be back with you, and I'm so excited for the next episode you'll get to hear, which is our interview with Kate. I honestly think it's my favorite episode we've ever done yet. A little bit of an update on what happened with all of these things that we talked about since August is that... To no one's surprise, no parents at Loyola stepped up enough to get that disgusting predator of a coach fired and all of those innocent students finished out a football season with a sexually abusive coach who is currently being sued by attorney Ben Crump, who we didn't mention this in the episode, but that's George Floyd's attorney he's very very famous and he almost always seems to win so this man is going down and all of the people who didn't do the right thing are complicit in the harm that he perpetuated. I'd be lying if I said that it wasn't devastating to me to watch that happen and to feel so helpless and i spent most of the holidays that we just had thanksgiving and christmas completely by myself for the first time in my life thanksgiving was easy because i don't like thanksgiving at all i don't like anything about it but christmas was pretty hard because that's my favorite holiday but if you can see just how much this one thing impacted me imagine how i feel with just hundreds of these little situations. I have to guard my heart at some point and lately it's been pretty broken and I just haven't had the strength to be around that. Anyways, this podcast gives me so much relief because I can talk about the things that I believe in, and it's a safe space for me. So thank you so much to everyone listening. You have no idea how much of an essential part you are to my healing journey. Okay, keep an eye out for the next episode and follow us all on Instagram.